0: You, you say one thing, he says another, and everybody changes back again! That's a fine way to behave. Well, you know who he takes after.
1: Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. So, it's one of those odd days for me. There's no specific political topic. We've had very cold weather here. I know crazy what? Here in the San Francisco area, on the bay, that is. I'm talking 58, 59 in the morning... Cool, cold winds, I had to wear my uh, winter coats when I was out on my boat Saturday, bringing it back uh, from Sausalito, where I had it on a dock for a few weeks to have some work done on the finish and on varnish. Coming back, I watched the pelicans, and the pelicans are happier and fatter than ever because the water is cold, very cold right now. It's been cold for a month, owing to ocean currents. And when the water is cold, sardines proliferate. It's so heavy and rich in sardines that the pelicans don't even die for their food. They're floating on the surface like ducks and paddling with their legs and just opening their big, big gill, their big uh, beak, and just basically netting the the sardines. So I come back here, and today I'm sitting and listening to uh, Charlie Parker, one of my all-time favorites. It does something to my... Soul my brain my mind my heart that nothing else does I mean, there's other jazz from the era that I love I could do an entire show on jazz But jazz is so unpopular right now that I won't even talk about it movies though are popular Books forget about it. There are no books anymore Um, Art tell me what art you can name one artist one great artist you can't there are none So I'm thinking about that today on this cold day, it's the afternoon, and I'm just drinking my coffee. And th- this podcast is meant for my regular listeners. I don't expect it to go break out into the world in some big way, but I've come to realize that my core listeners, who number in the hundreds of thousands, even without the radio show, they rely upon the contact I make with you, with them, through my golden microphone and my golden voice, okay? Mm, God, the coffee's good. It's late in the afternoon. But it's one of those days where I just want that second cup of coffee. And so here we are. I find myself pondering the death of art. Now, I realize a podcast entitled The Death of Art would not attract much attention. No one will even listen to it. But I'm going to talk about what the left has done to America's culture. They've destroyed it. Every movie. Every movie has to have a lesbian, a gay, a bisexual, a trisexual, or something to that effect, or a black hero, preferably all of them combined in one, that would be a black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trisexual individual who is the greatest person on the planet, even though they've done, done nothing in their life other than being uh, black, lesbian, and gay, or bisexual, or preferably trans. That apparently is better than uh, designing a rocket to Mars, That is better than designing a cure for cancer. This is how sick the left has become. Now, don't get me wrong. If people struggle with their sexuality, I'm all for helping them if they want the help. But if they want to impose their sexual views on me, I say no. And when you cross the line and go to the children, I say you should be put in prison. This guy, whoever Biden put in the office there, the I don't remember his name. I don't want to remember his name. I block his name. The man dressed as a woman who's running HHS is a criminal who is now saying that we need to give children drugs and surgery as young as five years old if they even feel they're transsexual. You know and I know that children can be anything you make them into. This man is a clear and present danger to the universe. But I don't want to talk about him. He's a sick banana that belongs in a mental hospital but now he's running health and human services he didn't do enough damage in pennsylvania he had to be selected by biden to run uh, the country's health and human services I, I think that's what he runs i don't know his name levine levine wait admiral levine the one in the skirt who pretends to be an admiral now i'm not homophobic i'm not sexist i'm not racist call me what you want and i'm not intolerant i'm the opposite of all of that but we cannot we cannot avoid the obvious. We cannot avoid the obvious insanity that has pervaded our society. So I find myself lately going to TCM. Hush, hush, don't tell anybody. But most of the movies I watch are from the 50s. I would say late 50s. I don't really like, uh, maybe late 40s, some of them are okay. But I like, prefer I prefer the 50s, the early 50s in particular, the Broderick Crawford The Sterling Hayden characters I love Sterling Hayden a man's man and he really was in real life a man's man I could go on about it I'm reading his biography he wasn't a fake man's man he was an actual heroic man's man and hated Hollywood by the way so I watch these movies where I know who the heroes are and they don't put down blacks by the way I don't even see gay characters in the movies why must I gays have existed since the beginning of civilization and believe me I am an advanced mentality. I have an advanced mind. And please, don't try to make me into something I'm not. I've spent many, many, many a night in Samoan, Fijian, Tongan villages, and I understand the culture. They do not ostracize their mahus. The Hawaiians call the folks like that mahus. Uh, Do they revere them? No, but they respect them as part of the culture, the society, as part of the society. They don't elevate them and make them the gods of their society. So you ask yourself, why can't there be no more movies made? Well, have you seen the ads lately on television? Have you seen many white people in them? Any white women? Any white men? No. All you see are black people. Or you see lesbian couples hugging and kissing. Or you see gay couples hugging and kissing. I call it the death of civilization. Now, on top of that, left-wing movies all fail. Almost every last one of them fail. I know people in Hollywood who can no longer appear in movies because they're white. That's their crime. Can you imagine we've reached this point? Books? I had many bestsellers, I don't know, five in a row with Hachette and my great editor. I'll leave her out of it. I won't mention her name. She created a division for conservative books, and she had one bestseller after another. What happened is the so-called woke really is a code word for insane leftist communist losers, mainly girls who came out of colleges completely drugged up and brainwashed. They canceled her division and and she was fired from the company for having success. They only publish books that reflect their perverted worldview. There's no other word for it: perverted worldview. A perverted worldview consists of saying all white people are racists. America has always been evil. And all people of color are saints. I remember reading, oh, I don't know how many decades ago, one of my heroes, Bertrand Russell, called The Superior Virtue of the Oppressed. It, really, it was one of those seminal books or essays that turned me upside down. Here was a man who was a certifiable uh, left-wing intellectual, Bertrand Russell, one of the greatest minds of his time, Uh, who wrote Principia Mathematica, won a Nobel Prize for his insights into mathematics. And Bertrand Russell won two Nobel Prizes, one for his book Principia Mathematica and the other one for his uh, anti-war views, his anti-nuclear war views particularly. He was a left-winger, but he was rational. So he wrote an, an essay, I think it was called, The Superior Virtue of the Oppressed, in which he presented his argument that just because a person has been oppressed, meaning people of the, of the colonial uh, countries at that time, does not give them superior virtue. They're like the rest of us. Some are good, some are bad, most are indifferent. And that's when I became more awakened. That's how I became woke
0: to the left. Michael Savage, a host like no other.
1: Have you become a victim of the timeshare trap? You think there's no way out? Well, Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has helped over 35,000 families out of financial hardship by getting them out of bad timeshares, and they may be able to help you too. Listen, if your timeshare agreement goes on forever, if you were told timeshares are a great investment or your maintenance fees will never go up, you need to get the facts about timeshare cancellation. For over 10 years, Wesley Financial Group has been dedicated to helping folks get out of a lifetime of debt by canceling their timeshares. So they created a free timeshare exit information kit that reveals how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. To get your free timeshare exit information kit, simply go to iCancelTimeshare.com. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. I'll say it one more time. I cancel timeshare.com. Thank you very much. I cancel timeshare.com. Now the left has destroyed this country's movies, books, art. You go to a museum today. I used to go to the Young Museum on a regular basis. I was once a patron. I stopped going when they had an exhibit of a woman's shoes there. I uh, stopped going when every other exhibit was about lesbian or gay or transsexual themes. I couldn't take it anymore. It was like watching people take feces and rub it on a Michelangelo. It was like watching people take fecal matter and rub it on a a Da Vinci. That's what they did to the movies, these left-wingers. So, as I say, I'm going on today for my own audience as though this is an old radio show. It's been 10 minutes now. And you have seen what? So when did this all begin? Some would say it began in movies with the arrival of the film Rebel Without a Cause with some great, great characters in there, mainly uh, Sal Mineo as the sub-character. He was fantastic. And the uh, main character, of course, was played by whom? Do you know who played Le- Rebel Without a Cause? You can find it. I'm going to give you an assignment. James Dean. James Dean was a great actor until he died in a car wreck in his Porsche at the time, his Speedster. He got creamed uh, on a on a road in California. A guy came out of a side road and crushed him in the Speedster. Great car. Uh, if you look up the Speedster, I'm a car nut as well. Certifiably great actor. He was in other great movies. But in the movie, which made him rebel without a cause, he plays a teenager. He's really in his 20s. He looks too old for the part, as do all teenagers in those movies at that time. But he plays a troubled teenager in California who has a nice middle middle middle-class family the mother is kind of an alcoholic the father is a weak man played by the great Jim Backus and the boy wants his father to be strong but the father is wishy-washy and doesn't stand up for very much and the kid is begging him to be strong and he can't be strong so that was the theme of the movie and he's basically a nihilist and people would argue I think That Rebel Without a Cause was the beginning, perhaps there was another one, I don't know, of the major beginning of the leftward turn in the films, which has led us now to this point where there are no films of any merit whatsoever. There's nothing. Avatar, Tom Cruise playing the same stupid role for the last 40 years. That's not art. It may be entertaining, but it's not art. It's drek, And it's like Disneyland. What has Disneyland become? A left-wing machine to poison the minds of the young. So you say, well, why are you complaining about this? Well, I'm telling you what I'm doing in my life now. I'm a man who loves movies. I can't even watch anything made in America anymore on, on Netflix. It's all the same. It has to have a black hero or a transsexual hero. Every other scene has to have a lesbian couple kissing or a gay couple with a baby. It's disgusting. I don't care about that anymore. To me, that's twisted social theory. I'm sick of it. It's social engineering in my mind. I'm sick of it. So if I go on Netflix at all anyway, what am I watching? I'm watching violent uh, Brazilian or um, Argentinian criminal mo- crime movies from Argentina or Brazil. Why? Because they're raw, they seem to be based upon reality, and they're not twisted. But I don't even enjoy them that much. Uh, you know, it, The dramas are good, they're well done, and they're, they're, they're just gritty, horrible movies. But I can't, I, I can't watch American-made movies anymore. They're just horrible. Books? I don't know a book that I've read recently, a fiction book, that has any value at all. I don't know any movie or book. And as I said to you, in terms of sculpture or paintings, can you name any sculpture or paintings? You don't even know the name of a painter or a sculptor. There was a day when we all knew people who were making great paintings. You can even go back to the 50s, the Kooning, if you want. He was certainly a radical. I don't particularly care for his, quote, art of the time, but he was... Uh, on the uh, perimeter, at the beginning of the, uh, I would say, the uh, devolution of art in this country in many ways. Warhol, okay, the soup cans. I wouldn't consider him a great artist. Great. But I understand what he was trying to do, which was basically take advertising art and turn it into the mainstream. I get that. But I'm into classical art. I have paintings from the 1870s, 1880s through the 1920s, even further than that of realistic scenes, of seascapes, California seascapes, of a volcanic a volcanic explosion of Mount Shasta. They're phenomenal. They're photo quality expert realism. You say, oh, well, that's so, so rigid. No, it's not so rigid. It's so perfect. That requires skill. That requires training. That requires severe capacity for art. Anyone could do the other crap and call it art. It's only a matter of whether or not people peddle it as as art. So where am I going with this? Why am I doing this podcast? Well, for one, because I'm trying to explain social theory to you, applied social theory. And I might also add left-wing movies fail, by and large. Left-wing books fail, by and large. Pop culture fails, by and large, because it's not art. It's just intolerant art. Of greatness it's intolerant of heterosexuality it's intolerant of the Caucasian race it's intolerant of uh, Christianity it's intolerant of religion it's intolerant of the nuclear family and so the ingredients that used to make movies and books and other forms of artwork these ingredients have been removed and we now have nothing not even a pancake The aesthetics have been destroyed by the politics. The internal elements of the works of art themselves are now gone because there is no plotting that matters. I can name one movie after another that were complete garbage. Uh, You've probably heard of them. Captain Marvel, Ghostbusters, Charlie's Angels, garbage. The left-wing approach to uh, film is to sell you a political agenda and the political agenda is so given from the beginning it's so obvious the characters have no depth they're simply representations of an idea nothing beyond an idea they're not they don't project into humanity underdeveloped poorly developed scenes and scenarios predictable plots no originality or creativity Politics devouring the aesthetic, subordinating the art within a rigid matrix of meaning. It's all about politics, the left-wing politics. It is as though they are Hitler's Lenny Reifenstahl, only pushing the left-wing view. Now I go back to the film world, to the late 40s, the Italian neorealist films that I loved so much. I couldn't believe it. There was a little art theater where I lived in Fresh Meadows, New York, and no one in my family went to it. I used to sneak in there every once in a while because I love these movies I saw, such as uh, Bicycle Thieves, Open City, Year Zero with Rus- by Rossellini, Rocco and His Brothers by Visconti. Phenomenal. These were aesthetic masterpieces. Masterpieces. Now, they, they did project politics. But they were interesting and effective movies because the politics were effective and interesting ingredients, not simply an authoritarian matrix where everything was reduced to a polemic. So the movies that I loved are gone. The emotion is no longer there. They're all parasites trying to destroy capitalism Trying to project class struggle and poverty as the only things worthwhile. And of course, racism and that how America is horrible. And that is why these movies uh, fail, because people don't want to hear that their country is no good. They don't want to hear that the history of the nation is all racist. They don't want the nation reduced the aesthetic of a sophomoric loser, who should never have been allowed into the university to begin with, who is now running the university the same way that that Dr. Levine is running HHS, if that's what he's running. These are the most fallen people on earth. Now, you could say that there's misogyny out there and racism, and there will be truth in that. But, my friends, there's a lot more to this nation than racism, misogyny, and homophobia. I'm Michael Savage. All I can say is spread the word because I know what the hell I'm talking about. to you?
0: The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. So now we go to
1: the death of science, which is part two of the death of art and science. And if you do a Google search on this, you'll find some interesting writings. Here's one I just found. Certainly I'm not the first one to see this or to talk about it, but it's in my own way that I'm doing it. And I found the book from June 2018, called Outrage, Inc., How the Liberal Mob Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. I said, that's interesting, by Derek Hunter. I never heard of the book nor the author, but he knows what he's talking about. I'm going to read you an outline from Derek Hunter, one of the most entertaining political writers today, comes an insightful, alarming look at how progressives have taken over academia, pop culture, and journalism in order to declare everything liberal great and everything great liberal. Progressives love to attack conservatives as anti-science, wallowing in fake news, and culturally backwards. But who are the real denialists here? There are three institutions in American life, run by gatekeepers who have stopped letting in anyone who questions their liberal script. Academia, journalism, and pop culture. They use their cult-like groupthink consensus as, quote, proof that science, reporting, and entertainment will always back up the Democrats. They give their most political members awards and then say the awards make their liberal beliefs true. Worse, they are using that consensus to pull the country even further to the left by bullying and silencing dissent from even those they've allowed in. It goes on. Just a few years ago, the media pretended they were honest brokers. Now, a CNN segment is seven liberals versus a sacrificial lamb. Tired of being forced to believe or else, the author exposes the manufactured truths and unwritten commandments of the establishment. With research and a biting sarcastic wit, he explains the following. The growing role of celebrities in the political world and movies with a message that dominate awards season, but rarely the box office. The unquestioning reporting on so-called studies that don't prove what they say they prove. The hidden bias of fact-checking when the media cherry-picks which facts they check. Celebrity scientists... Blending liberal activism with pretend expertise outside their fields. I could say Leon DiCaprio is an expert on global warming while he flies around the world with his girlfriends in his a private jet. So this is a write-up of a book called Outrage Inc. that I found just looking up quickly what's online about the illiberal uh, left and what they're doing to this country and the world. But you don't have to go any further than what we've been living through since COVID appeared on the, on the world stage. And that begins the death of science. I don't have to spell it out for you. We know that the vaccination is fraudulent. How do we know it? Uh, all the people getting COVID despite having been vaxxed and boosted. Look at the president right now. He was giving speeches not too long ago saying that this is a an epidemic of the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated, I tell you. Well, he just got COVID. He was vaccinated and boosted. What happened to him? What about masks? It's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt that masks do not work. What about social distancing? Proven beyond a reasonable doubt, distancing doesn't work. It was made up by a 14-year-old who spoke to her father or mother, and they said, yeah, well, six feet makes sense. There was no science there. The death of science? Let's look at mental health. Heterosexuality is evil, while anyone who is lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans is not only sane but better than everybody else. How about food? Everything you hear about food is now false. Uh, Vitamins. Now they're attacking the vitamin industry, telling you you don't need them. When there's 50 years of evidence that the right amount of the correct vitamins not only can prevent disease, but cure many diseases. The same with food. Food is medicine. They're now trying to tell you you can eat anything you want. Just take their pills. What about exercise? They're now telling you that they know more about health than they've ever known before and that regular exercise of the most severe kind is good for you when the opposite is probably true. People are vaccinated and boosted. Sooner or later, as we begin to live with it, virtually everybody is gonna wind up getting exposed and likely get infected.
0: This is, this is uh, you know, everyone was, at some point everyone's going to get COVID.
1: All right, so Dr. Fauci, if that's the case, why are there any mandates anymore for vaccines or masks or anything? Well, you have to look at it in, in several different uh, pillars, Brett. When you talk about the fact that inevitably, if people have to function out in society, given the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, it is going to infect someone who doesn't have a high degree of protection. So tell me where the science begins and where the science ends. And tell me why no one trusts the government. And tell me why no one trusts science anymore, especially after this Fauci character, who, by the way, will soon retire with the highest pension in the history of the U.S. government, something on the order of over $425,000 a year in pensions, because he's been ensconced as a deep bull weevil for over 40 years in the government. Think about that. There's no other bureaucrat in history who has survived this long In the federal government, you ask yourself, why? Is he the most brilliant scientist on earth? No, he's been the most useful tool of the pharmaceutical drug industry ever created, Anthony Fauci, who will retire again with a pension of over $400,000 a year. So we don't trust science. We don't trust art. We don't trust government. We don't know who to trust. Which way do we turn? Where is the truth? Well, I'll let you decide. I'm not here to tell you what the truth is i mean to open your eyes to the fact that we've lost our bearings in this country.
0: The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So we're talking about the death of art, the
1: death of science, the death of journalism. Look no further than Jake Tapper or Anderson Cooper. Are they journalists? They're nothing but propagandists for the far left. That's all they ever have been, which is how they hold on to their jobs. This is how it works. So, the few independents out there, well, the few independents, the independents out there are few and far between. And so, for a moment, I want to jump cut back to a name I mentioned earlier when I was talking about art and movies, one of my 50s heroes, Sterling Hayden.
0: I have to go to the bathroom. Is it all right? You're going to go, you're going to (laughs) go. First him, he's clean. I'll take his a thousand young
1: people. You may not know this, Sterling Hayden was in the nineteen forties during World War II an OSS officer who was a real sailor who really did do daring missions on his own. And uh, the fact of the matter is he hated his movie career. Hated them, but he did it for the money. He needed the money. So I'm reading his biography called Wanderer, which is a fascinating story unto itself. And I found this, what he wrote about the movies. And he says, I thought of the recent years of the films I'd made since the war, stretching off into oblivion under a crust of wasted time, four or five films each year, bastards, most of them, conceived in contempt of life and spew out onto screens across the world with noxious ballyhoo, saying nothing, contemptuous of truth, sullen and lecherous. He's writing this about his own movies. And then he names them. Arrow in the Dust, Flaming Feather, Fort Defiance, Manhandle, and Carrie Drake. Take Me to Town and Variety Girl and Golden Hawk. Maybe two dozen others, names forgotten now. Small wonder I dumped the money they paid me. Money earned like that doesn't deserve to be saved. It's as bad very nearly as outright inherited wealth, which is saying a great deal. And he's writing this while he's out at sea on a big schooner that he bought where he uh, basically uh, kidnapped his own children and set out for the South Seas to get away from a a lawsuit from his ex-wife. He had been a Grand Banks fisherman. He had been a sailor for many years before he was uh, an actor. He sailed before the mast and as a mate and captain in big sailing ships. After a career as a Hollywood star, he became dissatisfied. His attempt to escape launches this autobiography the jacket reads. It's amazing. It's the triumph of a complete and contradictory man, a rebel and a seeker, undefeated by his failure to find himself in love, adventure, drink, or escape to the South Seas. He was a great writer. And by the way, if you really read this book, you'll see it's really great writing. And you see echoes from Hemingway, Melville, Steinbeck, and Mailer uh, in his book, in this book, Wanderer, which is about his uh, escape on the schooner. And the reason I'm interested in in, um, in Sterling Hayden or a few, re- you may remember him, by the way. He played the corrupt captain in The Godfather, the big Irish guy. Who beats up the Michael Corleone character with two big fisted punches? He breaks Al Pacino's jaw in the movie. Great character. I've seen him in many, many 50s movies. But he was a hell of a writer and a hell of a man. He also lived in Sausalito for a long period of time, which is near where I live. And I go to the same barbershop once in a while that he went to, and his picture is still hanging on the wall. And if you look into this book, you'll see a real man writing a real book about real things, and you'll find out that he was struggling from the beginning. Uh, to the end and he goes back to his forgotten home and he talks about what his life was like and things of that nature about what he was like as a young man and uh i'll read you something look to the west now form a circle with arms outstretched and fists clenched this is the shape of the bay between your knuckles a narrow thread known as the golden gate the city flows all gray and cool around round the curve of your left forearm Your body is the mainland. A hundred miles to the east, paralleling the line of your ribs, stands the high Sierra, known to wilderness lovers as the range of light. Snug within your right hand's heel and beneath the mound of your thumb lies the village of Sausalito. Hillside homes alight, rotting old wharves that rest on wasted pilings to which starfish cling in the shadows and a schooner readied for sea. It's pretty good stuff. This is writing. I don't even think this book could be written today. Well, certainly could be written if you had someone who could write it. But there's a passage in here, Wanderer, that I'm going to read to you that combines elements of Hemingway and Conrad. I just have to read this to you. I marked it for you. Again, this is Sterling Hayden's biography of when he fled the United States on, I think, a 94-foot schooner with his children uh, to get away, and uh, he was heading to uh, the South Pacific to escape a lawsuit from his ex-wife it's an amazing story the sun rose that Friday in a pale and hostile sky and with it came the wind from somewhere east of north to set up a deep moan in the rigging while the blue smoke broke fast for the gate in kind of a running crouch it was cold back aft and the oil stove from a junk shop pouted like a black stump on the cabin floor the mate was on the phone it's Healy from United Press wants to know what your plans are for the future I was hard at work in the chart room trying to extract a second shave from a much-advertised blade. Tell him we're sailing for Santa Barbara. All the way, nonstop. He wants to know when. Sunday morning, 10.30 sharp. Ask him to come along. He says, is it true you're going to make this movie for Warner Brothers? Tell him yes. Tell him I'm looking forward to it because I've got grease paint in my blood. I looked in the mirror. A shudder went through me at the thought of makeup, the cheap jokes, the gossip, and the high-priced executives who fawned over female stars with lonely, frigid eyes. The mate shoved his head in the door. Healy said he'll be down to see us off. He also said, tell Hayden I think he's full of shit. He goes on and says there was work to do that day. I needed money and needed it fast before the banks closed and the business world wrapped up for the weekend. It was one thing to contemplate going to see stone broke, quite another to do it with a court injunction hanging around one's neck. If I could muster nerve to go on with the voyage, I'd need cash wherever I went, particularly with the legal fireworks that were bound to occur. For if I found myself tied up in some foreign port, I'd have to repatriate the crew, and if things went smoothly, I'd need time, time to adjust to the disciplines of freedom. I thought of my debts, too. Never had I been in this debt, in this deep. If I could raise 10000 that day and squared my accounts, I'd be broke all over again. Well, i would have to stand in line. I'd write from the South Seas begging their indulgence. For years, I'd spent money with practiced nonchalance. This was all to the good, from the merchant's point of view. Maybe now he'd write along with me for a time. So he's writing this book, Wanderer, which is a great chapter. Actually, it's a summation of his whole life, Sterling Hayden, that is. And um, he's, he's, a, he's lost. He takes the trip. It doesn't go right. And he finds out that life itself is not right. And he writes such great lines. And he says, the sense of disturbance prevails. Deep set its roots in self-contempt. This is the feeling that gnaws at a man whether he wants to admit it or not. I've lived with such torment for years, and maybe I always will. But I can't help asking myself, was it really always this way? Weren't the years when I thought of my life with pride? Yes, there were. Those were the seafaring years, with my eyes on the goal of command, with each new ship and each new job a challenge, when I hurled myself at the work with good strong hands and never a thought of failure, so it seemed at the time. That's Sterling Hayden's book, Wanderer, almost completely unknown, Written and completely dismissed when it came out. And I have a copy of it only because he lives near where I live now. And I loved his acting. And as I said to you at the beginning of this podcast, I find myself watching early 50s movies with stars like Sterling Hayden. I'm Michael Savage. I'll take a break and come back very shortly right here on this podcast. And where will I go from here?
0: Well, let's roll the dice and see. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. All right, welcome back
1: to the Michael Savage Podcast. This is just for you. Again, it's a personal opinion that I'm about to give you. Actually, all of my opinions are personal opinions, to be honest with you. So here I am doing a podcast on the death of art, the death of science, which is a given. I'm not the only one who sees this, by the way. I grew up in the golden age of art, the golden age of science, and and don't think I don't understand these subjects. Let me remind you who I am. First of all, I grew up in an antique store, and so I was around art, fine art, since I was a little boy, studying sculpture, paintings, jewelry. I understand art very well. I prefer classical art. I don't particularly like modern art. I think it's dreck, because anyone can do modern art. It's only a matter of who gets promoted more. You try doing classical art, and you'll see how few people can still do it. So that's number one. End of story. Goodbye. As far as science goes, I grew up in the golden age of real science. It's been purged. We have drag scientists now, like Fauci, who pretends to be a scientist, but's nothing but a, a peddler of vaccinations and drugs. He has been since the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. And uh, most of America's mind, most of the minds in America have been poisoned by fake science. Whether it's global warming, the big lie, or how COVID occurs and how it should be treated, while eliminating all natural approaches, it's all fake science. It's all about profit. So I'm doing this. And last night, to relax, quote-unquote, I watch a movie. Well, unfortunately for me, there was nothing on, on Turner Classic movies that I could watch that would be worth watching. I don't know what it was. I just turned it on and turned it off. It was one of those bad nights. I think it was all 1920s movies, which I despise. I don't like 20s. I don't like 30s. I don't like 40s movies until le- the late 40s. The movies really were dreck, by and large, with rare exception. So I, I, I flip around uh, Netflix, which is a cesspool, as we all know, and I find a movie for The Gray Man, number one in the United States, trending. I said, okay, must be it must be real garbage. you hurt.
0: I mean, my ego's a little bruised. They have something they really want. What's your gut? It's going to be my funeral you're going to next. You want to make an omelet? You got to kill some people.
1: I watched this movie, this action movie, and I tweet this afterwards because I was, I was even shocked by what I watched. And I tweeted this, school shootings, question mark, urban violence, question mark. I just sat through $200 million Netflix, The Gray Man, shootings, death, destruction, nonstop brainwashing, promoting violence, and the degradation of humanity, Add cannabis, SR- SSRIs, And presto, there it is. Movie presented by the scum of the earth. And I should have added, I wish that J. Edgar Hoover was alive and running the FBI because this kind of garbage never would have been produced and distributed because he knew. He knew what it would do to the minds. Remember how powerful movies are. Hitler knew how powerful movies are. And don't think that the scum in Hollywood don't know how powerful movies are. Every movie is a propaganda film today. But you want to know where the school shootings come from? You think that they occur out of, in a vacuum? No, they don't occur in a vacuum. SSRIs plus marijuana, plus a lifetime of violent movies and violent video games, and what you have are dehumanized individuals with, yes, assault weapons in their hands. Now you understand school shootings, don't you? I would expect you might. So why is this all happening right now? I asked Mike younger staff members, what they thought of the two pieces we've recorded so far. That was yesterday. And Karen writes, I love these recordings. Really classic, Savage, and the reason people listen to you over are the pundits. You look at the big picture in our society and more to the philosophical. And then she says, I want to quote something for you from the book, The Naked Communist, which was written by FBI Special Agent W. Cleon Skusen. In this book, he distilled decades of research that described the rise of communist powers and presented the current communist ag- agenda. His list of 45 goals has become legendary to the point of being officially read and recorded in the 1963 congressional hearing. Good luck if we would hear it today under, under uh, the senile Mussolini Biden. Well, here's number 22 of his goals. He said, Here is what the communists recommended to destroy America. Continue discrediting American culture by degrading all forms of artistic expression. An American communist cell was told to, quote, eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings, substitute shapeless, awkward, and meaningless forms, unquote. Point number 23 of the naked Communist: Control art critics and directions of art museums, quote, Our plan is to promote ugliness, repulsive, meaningless art, unquote. Oh, number 25 of the Naked Communist. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Well, that's a given. Point number 26 of the Naked Communist. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as, quote, normal, natural, and healthy, unquote. I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen, when you say, well, I know this, especially those of you who have listened to me for years know this. Uh, what can we do about it? Well, you have to understand, unless we talk about it, it's going to get worse, and we'll all be gone.
0: Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now, I want to shift now
1: to politics for a few minutes. The other day, Governor Gavin Newsom, Came out with a really harebrained scheme of permitting people to sue gun manufacturers for the violence committed by violent, deranged people, saying, if they can do this in Texas and threaten a woman's life, that means by banning abortion. We will save lives by letting people sue government, uh, sue gun manufacturers here in the state of California, surrounded by the usual uh, band of uh, know nothings. Well, I wrote this down. I wrote this down, and I said, you know, if I could speak to the governor, I would say this. I would say, Governor Newsom, you're so far off on this issue. I remember distinctly even the far-left SCOTUS, Elena Kagan, said during her confirmation hearing, Heller is established law. Of course, I did it in my own brogue, which was Heller is established law. And she did. She repeated it over and over again. Heller is established law. She was during, It was during those SCOTUS hearings when they still had hearings. She was questioned by the uh, left-wing fanatic Leahy. And he asked her about guns, and she said, Hella is established liber. I, I would go on and say this to the governor if I could reach him. I'd say, Governor Newsom, the people are terrified not of nuts with guns, but of gang members with guns. Why don't you seize their guns first? The people are terrified not of law-abiding citizens owning guns to protect themselves, but the human tsunami of illegals being run into this state, Texas, and others by the idiotic suicidal Democratic Party. Four million illegals since Biden was installed. They're terrified of the fentanyl crisis that is far more deadly than guns, Mr. Newsom. If you do not address these issues, you will go nowhere. And then I quoted Abraham Lincoln. In my own mind because I can't reach the governor I said governor you can fool some of the people some of the time you can fool some of the people all the time but you can't fool all of the people all the time unquote. and then I would say to him governor your advisors are sure of themselves in this one party state on the big canvas they're only fooling themselves I see the middle and the people are terrified of gangs crime bums illegals and drugs Not to mention the runaway inflation brought about by reckless spending, foolish fiscal policy, and non-business socialist academics advising your president, Joe Biden. But of course, I can't reach Governor Newsom, so I would share it with you right here. Now, I could talk about the silence of pseudo-civil rights stalwarts on the January 6th political prisoners. Some of the January 6th prisoners who rioted took plea deals. Uh, I understand that. I could also talk about the uh, NDAA that Obama put in office. I was going to actually do a whole podcast on that. I may do it next. Uh, The fact is the NDAA was put in place by uh, Obama in the middle of the night on New Year's Eve. The NDAA is still in effect, incidentally, and it permits indefinite detention of any American citizen. Now, it has not been used by the federal prosecutors yet uh, in the January 6th trials. But you have to understand that civil rights leaders have not joined together to condemn the disgraceful injustice that the rioters have faced. No, not one word. A fentanyl drug dealer from Honduras is given more uh, respect and more protection of the law than the people who riot on January 6th. There's been a deafening silence from civil rights movements that has now morphed into nothing more than a race-baiting organ of the Democratic Party that summons others to not only further oppress the political presidents of January 6th, but also to go after their families and anyone who worked for Donald Trump. Did you know that? Louis Gormert wrote, my office has been informed by numerous attorneys defending these prisoners that America's self-proclaimed guardian of liberty, the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, has completely ignored requests for the organization to intervene on behalf of the alleged human rights abuses suffered by the January 6th prisoners. These individuals, many of whom were charged with nonviolent crimes, have been held in pretrial confinement for over a year, have allegedly been beaten, starved, forced to live in unsanitary conditions, were not allowed visitors from their families, and have had medical care withheld. Just to name some of the constitutional violations that have allegedly taken place," said uh, Mr. Gummer. Other January 6 protesters who found themselves spared from unjust pretrial confinement have seen their lives completely destroyed because they were involved in the riot. Many who were charged have found their savings depleted thanks to costly legal fees and drawn-out proceedings. They've lost their jobs and had their families' lives upended. One defendant, Matthew Perner, took his own life as a direct result of the mental and legal torture he endured. Perner was advised by his attorney that pleading guilty was the best way for him to move forward with his life and that he was looking at no longer than 6 to 12 months behind bars. Instead, this rioter did this. The week before his sentencing hearing, he was informed that his hearing would be postponed and that prosecutors were seeking to add a terrorism enhancement to his case that would have increased his sentence to almost six years in prison. This twisted and politically motivated abuse by the Biden administration became too much for Perna to endure and he killed himself. Slow down before you say good for him. I'm glad he's dead. It could be you tomorrow. We're moving into a fascism unlike any ever seen in American history. The death of art, the death of science. You could also say it's the death of law and the death of truce. I'm Michael Savage. I'm giving you material you won't get anywhere else. Thank you very much for listening, and please share it with several of your friends who may not know anything about what is going on in this great nation of ours. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.
0: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.